Welcome to another episode of the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. I am your host, Big Brother Jake, a.k.a. Jake Warner, my government name. Let's dive right in. Up first, episode 1432 titled, This is How Smart People Lie. It aired on June 6th of 2021. In this clip, Adam and Dr. Drew discussed Dr. Fauci and some of the emails that surfaced regarding Fauci and how the pandemic and the public may receive the info that was on the emails. Check it out. Uh, I figure uh, we need to talk about Dr. Fauci and the emails a little bit and Mm -hmm. uh, I want to get some of your thoughts. What's going on there, bucko? So the emails and Fauci. Uh, Let me just ask you first. Do you have any thoughts about that? You've been thinking about it, reading any of that stuff? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's the usual, if you watch CNN, it's nothing to see here. And if you watch Fox, uh, this is damning evidence. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, it, the, the emails don't feel real, like smoking gun, gotcha, like, aha. Right. And they're, you know, sort of tastefully worded. But if you drill down on them a little, you will see some truths sort of trickle out yeah. in a kind of eloquent way. Yeah. Well, the pro- the problem is it stands out in relief against some of the public statements. Yeah, that's that, the issue. That's that's the issue. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really think masks are very effective. The the only there is one part of it which is you know he got somebody contacted him and said uh, hey I think you know some vi- virologist or something said uh, I think this thing's coming out of Wuhan. Yeah, and um, he did a sort of email to his. Uh, associate that said like, hey, tomorrow we got work to do. And uh, something that no one has said, but it's kind of interesting, a little bit, which is um, this sort of cryptic, uh, hey, we got we got work to do. Yeah. Um, that day is a Saturday. Uh. And all I'm saying is, is it's not unthinkable that people work on weekends for sure but if you get a note on a friday you know if i got a note on a friday that was kind of neither here nor there um i might say to my assistant matt uh hey monday uh let's talk about this but i wouldn't go drop everything you're doing we got work to do saturday yeah it suggests a little level of urgency. Yes, un- unless unless the only pushback would be they were doing seven days a week during the pandemic routinely. Yeah, you know I, I mean? I, it's not 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 unthinkable. Yeah. Well, first off, I don't know that they were doing seven days routinely. I know, you know, Fauci was showing up on the Sunday talk shows and stuff like that. Yeah. But I don't know that the assist, you know, meaning. I work weekends too, but I don't tell my lieutenants, "Hey, you got to work too on Saturday." Yep. That's I'm going to go do meet the press on Sunday, yes. kind of thing. So I don't, you know. Again, it's not aha, gotcha. It's just you get this email saying, uh, "Hey, we think it's coming out of Wuhan," and you don't go, "Hey, that's an interesting thought. Maybe it is coming out of Wuhan." You just say thanks, and then you say to your lieutenant, "Hey, we got work to do tomorrow." Yeah, and then whatever that. Work is that's redacted. We, we're not going to. You're not privy to what that conversation. Oh, I didn't see that. That's interesting. Yeah, what it was is, and and again, 
I'm not a scholar on this subject, but it's basically we need to get everyone on the phone and the conversation of everyone on the phone, that's classified. And and he then went on to argue that the the certain genetic quality of particular structures in the virus were consistent with animal viruses. Yes. And so he went he went that direction based on uh, objective data. It wasn't like he just invented it out of whole hog. He went that way because now maybe he was had a cognitive bias for some reason against the Wuhan lab theory. And you could argue that he should have said, well, here's the thing that bothers me. Is it from the beginning, the attitude seems to be towards the public, you can't handle this. You can't handle the truth, which used to be something that the right was criticized for, right? Mm-hmm. For being, for being, you know, treating the, the public as some sort uh, of... We, we do it with like wars, you know what I mean? Right. Like you cannot handle, you know, uh, an orphanage was hit by a grenade yeah. and we're not going to tell you about that because yeah. you can't handle that. Right. But now you can't handle, you can't handle this is still going on to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it pertains to, for instance, the vaccine. Mm-hmm. They're not being super transparent about what's going on there so people can make informed consent. So we're supposed to be getting informed consent for medical procedures. How do you how are you informed unless you have a transparency? But it's you can't handle it, just get it. Just get it. Which I understand that there may be a greater good at hand, but it's a pretty interesting ethical stretch. Not only that, people like me that have had COVID really no indication, no evidence that we need the vaccine. So in a sense, us getting the vaccine is being is utilizing an unnecessary medical procedure, which is considered anathema. Like you never do that. You never give people procedures they don't need. And yet I I'm clearly did that. I could the, the, the government required me to get a vaccine to leave the country, even though I don't need it. Okay. Yeah. Well, well that's, I did it. Okay. That's the other so Here's here's in my mind from from a lay person. Here is my general overarching sense of the thing. The, the thing being the 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 entire chapter uh, we're the, in the Fauci. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'm a lay person. Yeah. Um, when I start he- hearing that everyone needs to mask up, but it doesn't really matter if you pull your shirt over your face. And, you know, if you're on a flight, you know, we'll hand out the pretzels, the mask will come off, and then we'll hand out the drinks. Um, um, as a layperson, now it all feels dubious to me. How important are these masks? How functional are these? Well, let's put it this I way. see guys Think. wearing paper masks that they had shoved in their jean pocket, you know, while they're walking from the long-term parking at the airport. to the, And then they clumsily put the mask on but it's not hooked over both ears you know that's down around their mouth when they're eating a sandwich like standing by the baggage carousel little weird little things to me for instance lax the largest group gatherings in lax are the baggage carousels yeah those are according to all the science that should have been um Ground zero for spreading of the disease. Okay, bags up. There is no social distancing going on at a baggage carousel. Yep, correct. The Starbucks at LAX, they have a Starbucks down on the ground floor. The Starbucks is 32 feet away from the baggage. Yeah. So you see a long line of people waiting to get the Starbucks, and then a huge group of people gathered around the baggage carousel. 
And everyone who got their Starbucks has their mask around their chin, holding the Starbucks, drinking out of it whilst waiting for their bag to come around. Yep. Okay, you are not encouraging people to wear a mask if you have this Starbucks that's open right right, right across the way from the baggage carousel. And, again, half the people around the baggage carousel are wearing their mask properly. The other half aren't. And none of them have a proper mask. There's all different forms of masks, but most of them are just sort of paper throwaway masks. And you can see daylight coming through the side cheek pocket and stuff like that. So it struck me as a lay person that this mask thing, this, you know, you have to wear it. It's this is going to stop the spread, blah, blah, blah. I immediately went. I don't I don't see evidence of that. I, this is we're way too casual with this. Here's the interesting thing. So so there's multiple interesting parts of that observation. One is. When you walk into the ICU to take care of a COVID patient, you're not pulling your mask down to have a drink. Right. You're keeping your mask on when it really matters. Yeah, I period. said when you're spraying lacquer, you're not standing in the la- right. lacquer booth taking a sip off a Gatorade with the thing around your chin. Now, what they told us, if you remember, was that the mask was to protect other people, right? And the only thing that they really well, – that's what they could told no, us. No, they said – no, I I disagree. Okay. They, they said wear a mask. Okay, it, yeah. it, it's they didn't for, specify. It, it's right. for everybody. All right. But when they were saying it, they were saying, well, it really it's the droplets you put out. We want those well, droplets was, to stop. What happened was, is you said, one said, some said, I'm an American. I choose not to wear a mask when I walk down the horse trail. And they said, it's not for you. It's for that. That that was their rebuttal to people going, this seems like theater wearing a mask on a beach. Yeah, to you it does. This is for others. You're going to infect other people. And back to the ICU. It gets controversial because you go back to the N95 mask in the ICU. That N95 is to protect you, not protect the patient. Right. And there's good evidence. I interviewed a woman who said the N95 was better at creating aerosols. So in terms of exposing other people to the virus, an N95 mask may have made things worse, which is why that we were not being recommended to use N95s all the time. Mm-hmm. It would protect us, but might make things worse for other people, which is really kind of an interesting thing that was never played up, by the let way. Me, uh, let me circle back to something here. Yeah. Fauci did the, you don't need to wear the mask, and then he did the, well, you do need to wear the mask. I just said that because I didn't want there to be a run on mask. Yeah. yeah. Um, the run on, 94% of the people I see wearing masks are wearing paper, disposable, yes. nothing masks. Yes. Was he worried about a run on those masks? For a minute. For a minute. There was, there was actually a, a shortage of surgical masks for a second. But that was, that was like a five-minute window while we worked on distribution. You know? Yeah, those things seem pretty ubiquitous. They were. All right, they keep were. going. Um, so the other thing is that when you look back now at the pandemic, I mean, look at the curves. Just look at what happened in the winter, right? When we mm-hmm. had all the lockdown was then. Mm-hmm. The mask, the lockdown was was in full effect when we had the big outbreak. It wasn't in effect because we had the big outbreak. It was already in effect when the outbreak started. Remember, no Halloween, no Christmas. Right. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Oh, and, God, I never listened to anybody ever about anything. And by the way, you were exposed to somebody with COVID on Christmas. We had dinner together Christmas Eve. I was sick that night. Mm-hmm. Didn't transmit. No. Didn't transmit. Most because we sat outside and... Yeah, whoever. Anyway. I mean, 
mostly because of who knows. We right. sat who at the knows? dinner table for exactly. two hours first. Exactly. Um, so let me. So so the the outbreak is this is what it is, and then when we actually have an effective treatment, which is the vaccine, it just goes down. Mm-hmm. So when you have an effective treatment, you see what happens. Shoop, it right. falls off. So how can you say the masks are effective, especially when? Again, I'm not saying don't wear a mask. I wore a mask. Got COVID wearing a mask, but whatever. Maybe I didn't transmit to a few people because I wore a mask out of, when, I, when I was out and about. Uh, but the 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 mask in the in all the studies, there was a famous Danish study in New England Journal of Medicine that was considered to be the gold standard, and it showed fifteen percent efficacy. Right. Many of the other studies showed no efficacies. Yeah. So the best case is that it was a fifteen percent. On the margin. So, okay, we wear it for that 15% well, maybe. They did the same thing with masks as they did with kids. You know, like, oh, there's a 10% chance your kid could die, or it's 0 to 10%. Oh, it's point zero one, whatever. Okay, I get it. I just don't get why other people don't get it. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. Up next, we go to episode 1408 that aired on April 11th, 2021, and Podcast One's own Jordan Harbinger stops by, and he had some advice on how their life could change if they just changed their basic morning routine. I don't know if they were that receptive, but uh, take a listen. All right, Jordan Harbinger, welcome to the show, host of the Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One as well. Good to see you, Jordan. Hey, likewise. Thank you. What are you thinking during this whole catastrophe we're, we're, we're living in? <laughs> yeah, I, look, I tried to do, I, I tried to make the best of it, and I was like, okay, now I'm going to get in shape, and I'm going to eat bacon out of a bag like Dr. Drew, and I'm going <laughs> to you know, get up at the crack of dawn, and you know, I started doing the morning routine thing that we see advertised everywhere, and I started to feel kind of like crap, like worse than than the crap that I might normally feel like getting up when I don't want to get up. It, and I, I realized that uh, this morning routine thing might not be that scientific, and so I decided <laughs> to sanity check it huh? against uh, some of the coaches and scientists and, and doctors on the Jordan Harbinger show. And turns out, surprise, surprise... The morning routine is mostly exaggerated uh, BS. I think some people are more sort of biologically geared up to that for whatever reason. Like, like I, my affect is better if I if I'm up in the morning. I'm just better. But yeah. whether or not, I don't need to necessarily work out in the morning, though I find that again, easy, I like to get it done. So it's again better for me. But that's it. It's more of an emotional thing than anything else. Yeah, it, it turns out that you're you're dead on, right? All these folks that get up at five o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning, and then they just, I got to swim eighteen miles and walk seven miles and then go for a bike. They do a triathlon before Ugh. they hit the office. Uh, you're right. It depends on whether you are predisposed to getting up early. Surprise, surprise, right? Or working late at night. And, and I always thought night owls were just people that like couldn't get to bed on time and therefore <laughs> couldn't get up on time and therefore yeah. work better at night. And it turns out 
uh, Daniel Pink did a whole bunch of research on this. He's a well-known author for those of you who who are sort of uninitiated, right? This guy went, all right, why can't I do this? Because I'm productive and I've sold a bunch of books and best, he's a speaker and author. And so he tried to mimic these routines and, and got into the scientific research. And it's just not the case. Like most of us, I tried to organize my life around these strict morning routines at different points in my life. The more I tried to live up to the external idea of how my day should look, the less useful and less enjoyable my day became. And it really, like a lot of self-help, became that self-help that just makes you feel worse instead of better. Well, my only argument or pushback would be not a morning person. You're not? eh, Kind of in between. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll do... I work construction for a million years, you know, that the job starts at 7 a.m. And oftentimes you're driving, you know, you're not going to one office place that's, you know, three miles away. So you're working in Hancock Park and then Malibu, you know, you see me valley, you know, so you got to get up and yeah, get on the road. Um, and then I did morning radio. I did nighttime radio. I'll, I'll just do whatever it is you tell me to do. But I will say this. Uh, as opposed to going to bed early and, ver- and waking up early versus going to bed late and waking up late. Uh, the things you do for the last two hours of the evening versus the things you do versus uh, the first two hours in the morning are m- much less productive oftentimes and sometimes destructive. Mm-hmm. So if I just stay up late, there's a very good chance there's a drink in my hand, <laughs> and there's a very good chance at some point I'll get a hankering for some peanut butter Strangely, or whatever. This is when I always watch The Love Boat, too, well, so I'll that's be, very I'll be, I'll be watching uh, Starsky and Hutch yeah. and drinking. You know what I mean? Uh, not when, No one would label that as productive time. You're not doing that in the morning, for you sure. get up in the morning, I don't turn on Starsky and Hutch and pour scotch. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So to Someday. me, yeah, well, yeah, that's what weekends yeah. were made for Michelob. But you know what's interesting but, to me i i so it's really about it's 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 not about eight hours and yeah. it's not about you're not productive it's like the things you do think about what you do yeah. after 10 o'clock versus mm-hmm. after 6 a.m if you know if you got up early yeah. versus 8 a.m or whatever that two hour switch is which we, i've gone to work a lot with my in the dark with my headlights on i mean a right. lot done that a lot didn't notice that that really improved my mood necessarily <laughs> there's something for me about getting up right just after sunrise. It's like I need to see the sunrise. I need to see hear the birds. I need that like noticeably changes my affect. Isn't that weird? Is yeah. that part of the deal? That that is part of the deal. Actually, most people, it turns out, fall into this range. Of, well, I guess you'd call it normal. There's probably a fancy word for it somewhere in the scientific literature. But normal is. After the sun gets up, there's bird, the birds are singing and the light streaming in through your window. And that's kind of where most people fall into it. Now, there are naturally night owls. There are people whose most productive three to four hours of work or two to three hours of work any given day mm. are from like 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. period. There's not much they can do to change it. Just like there are other folks whose most productive time is 4 p.m. to or sorry, 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. That said, most people who think that are most productive in the morning, they are only most productive in the morning because of external circumstances, not because of their sort of internal clock. Right. In, a, in an ideal situation, you can match both of those up. Like, look, you guys have kids. I've got a little kid. It's no surprise that productive parents 
are like, yeah, I'm productive at 6.30 a.m. after right. I drop my kid off at swim practice until right. 9 a.m. when my phone starts ringing because my boss has given me a bunch of crap to do or, or emails start coming in. That's normal, but it doesn't mean that you are naturally predisposed to being at your best at that time. It just means that the rest of your day is kind of a hot mess and is going to dump crap in your well, lap at here, those times. Here would be my humble suggestion. First off, there's interesting studies about even if you're wearing a mask and uh, your covers over your head, the sunlight still affects you. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. on your feet and stuff. Yeah. But that makes sense. It's time to wake up. But you also have to be on a pattern of society because mm-hmm. I would argue that if your deal was I go to bed at three four in the morning and I wake up at ten or eleven in in the in the uh, sorry three four in the morning right you know yeah. wee hours to and I sleep in that's my schedule I'm a yeah. DJ a nightclub DJ or yeah. whatever it is well the rest of society starts getting up and moving about seven seven thirty eight o'clock you shall hear construction going on down the road you shall hear the backup beeper the garbage truck you you will a whole variety of societal society has decided well we don't we don't work at a strip club we get up at we get moving at 8 a.m thus your last three hours you're fucking fighting it Mm-hmm. You you are fighting it. I you know I used to do love line. You know, come home at twelve thirty, go to bed at two o'clock. If I tried to sleep till ten, well, that's fine. That's eight hours. But I'm fighting the last two and a half hours because the fucking garbage trucks going up the street and the neighbors are arguing. Well, your kids and the are up dogs or, are barking yeah. or whatever that thing is. So it's not just eight hours versus eight hours. Slide it this way. You go to bed at ten. You get up at six a.m. You're not fighting it. There's nothing nothing waking you up. You're not getting a restful sleep your last couple hours yep. if society's Impossible. awake around you. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, there's another thing I've noticed, and I don't know if this is real or not, but it sure seems like people that are uber successful are in that 4 to 7 a.m. group. Like yeah. they don't – there's a, if you don't – if you're the kind of person that does not need to sleep – that seems to have an advantage in terms of productivity. Yeah, so I noticed that too, and I, my counter argument was the same thing. I said to to Dan Pink, who was studying this, I go, "Look, man, it's kind of undeniable that all these Navy SEAL guys are up at the crack of dawn. All these CEO folks are up at the crack of dawn." And he noticed that too. And one of the things that that he wanted to control for was what. And the conclusion that he came up with essentially was. These people that get up at that time are kind of forced into it usually in the first place, right? If you're in the, if you're Navy SEAL, they're waking you up at whatever crack of dawn anyway. Everybody's getting up. There's pressure to do it then. CEOs are getting email. If they're on the West Coast, they're getting phone calls from China or whatever, or Europe, or even just the, the East Coast at that time they have to be up for. But most of the people who are up that early, that is more a symptom of those people's work ethic and structure of their I, day as opposed to the cause of it. I disagree. I'm going to disagree because I've been very jealous of those people my whole life. Because when I was in medical training, I had peers that only needed four hours of sleep a night. And and I needed six or seven. And it was very disturbing to me that they were like, no problem, up all night on call and working the next day. No problem. Uh, It's very rare that you meet those people. uh, It's rare, but they're out there. And they're always very successful. And they will always tell you the same thing. I've been that way my whole life, they'll say. Yeah. They say when I was a kid, okay. I'd read books all night. I, bu- 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 I couldn't sleep. I hate sleeping. I don't like sleeping. And they're always a little hypomanic, too, by the way. 
I agree with that. I see what you mean. I think we're talking about two separate things. Yeah. I was talking about people not who need less sleep by nature. That is definitely a thing. They're, they're, I can't remember what they're called, but you're right. There are people who needed four hours of sleep from the earliest they can remember yep. all the way until they probably die young because That's they don't sleep enough. <laughs> <laughs> and But the people that I'm talking about are people that still need eight hours of sleep but just happen to get up at 4 a.m., but they go to bed at 8.30 p.m. or 9.30 p.m. Or they're on email till 11, and they're just not sleeping enough. Yeah. You know, I have uh, a unique perspective on certain things because I've been rich and I've been poor and I've you know, had jobs where I had to get up early and jobs where I didn't have to get up. And I've, I've had a lot of A and B coverage of myself. So I can I have a good I feel like a, I'm a good test subject for a lot of this yeah. stuff. When I was, you know, 19 and living in my dad's garage and there were no jobs to be found and I had nowhere to go and nothing to do, I would sleep in because there was just no reason to get out of bed. Low-grade depression meets I have nothing to do. Uh, When I'm in the midst of a project, for instance, a building project or something, I'm really intrigued and really, I'm up early. I want to jump on it. I'm going to get, I'm the same person biologically. One is I can get up, but where do I go? And the other is, is, oh, I'm going to get to the job site because I got ideas. And, you know, that transcends, you know, we always kind of talk about night person, morning person, all kinds of. How about motivated person? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, you said it's biologically the same person. I would say genetic the same person, but two different biological states. One mm-hmm. depressed, the other excited. We'll be right back with more of the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. We are back with the final clip of this episode, so let's get right to it. We check out episode 841 titled... An Old Man Freaking Out About the Man, which aired on July 5th, 2018. The fellas talk about the impact of non-binary people and the impact it's having on women's sports. Here's the clip. I'm not signed off on on calling a a young um, employee them. Right. Uh, a young male them, yeah. which I've heard tales of. Look, uh, my say, thing sir, is, if it's a medical I, student, I, I ain't got time for nothing. So if you get in there, and you hang that IV, you I, take I care of that patient. I am binary with du- uh, dudes and chicks. I do. Look, they're females and they're males. Right. But, I'm but, fine let's, with that. but let's but just stay in the, the world. The, okay. the world wants to be non-binary. That's right. Uh, okay. Uh, well, it turns out the male to female transgender women at high school are kicking the shit out of all the females. Male females. to female, right. The cis females are getting their ass kicked by the male to female transgender individuals. In yes, sports. there are stories of them winning foot races Everything. and beating them up in the octagon. Yeah, and Just, there's a lot of stories about that. So yes. my my, I've been th- wondering, and I wanted your thoughts on this, in this non-binary world, how can we have binary sports? You can't have men's and women's sports anymore. You can't have a binary sports system in a non-binary world. Well, Title IX, I guess, was an attempt, at least initially. That was, having, that was separate but equal. Now, right, now, but that was still saying, look, the men's football team may bring in 20 times as much as the women's croquet team, but they need the same funding or right, whatever it separate is. Separate but like, equal. That was another mistake. But that's but still binary. Think, riddle me this. If, if, if you want a non-binary world— Non-binary world. You can't have binary sports. It doesn't make sense. You have to have sports with criteria. Mm-hmm. Body weight, 
muscle mass, muscle physiology, bone mass, height. Mm-hmm. You have to have weight classes and things like that because the binary piece just doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. So these girls that are ki- they're kicking the crap out of the, these transgender females are kicking kicking the crap out of the cis females. Well, they'd move up into a, some class of something else where they'd be competing with people like them. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that the way you'd have to do it? Well, you understand that most of this, most of this is based on people wanting to say binary. It's not a binary choice and cisgender. You understand the only reason this is caught on is not because people are overly concerned with people that are on that are undergoing a transition because it's a very small percentage of, of human beings. This is the left wanting to control, exploit, whatever the language. See, this is them saying this is not. This is not a binary sexuality. It's not a binary decision. I know cisgendered couples that also think in a non-binary way sexually, and they go, oh, you've discovered new words, and you'd like to share it. Okay, your highness genius. Please, what other new words have you come up with down from the mountain? Let's see. What do we got here? Oh, okay. We have binary we have cisgender what about the school to prison pipeline is that oh, that's outdated, you put outdated, those? outdated oh we're not using that <laughs> anymore <laughs> that, was, that, was, oh, oh, that was a millennial oh, idea s- systemic racism uh, is that, well, oh there's a new one no you're a genius you're such a fucking genius yeah. oh great you went to college well now but, come up with some fucking thoughts would you so, so but you can't have i mean this is not they not they, they but they, you've got it you've got a transgender little, got females. a little bit of it but they're in love with the language you i said that i've always told you that drew has it's it's coming right you understand these people love the language well you know it all came from a guy named derrida which is a post structuralist analysis of language it was about language to begin with i've always known it's about language it, it was the philosophy here's of, there's two things i know yeah there's two things I know. All roads lead to narcissism or grandiosity or whatever. All this stuff, like like these people, these comedians are sending tweets out talking about the kids at the border. I said, my wife was telling me about this. I said, you want to know what my last two tweets were? Somebody posted me uh, a tweet said, uh, Adam, you're a genius. Turns out peeing in the sink could save millions of gallons of water. And there's a new device where you pee in the sink and you wash your hands at the same time uh. and you save millions of gallons of water. And I and I, I like reposted it, like saying, like, that's right, I'm a genius. And then somebody fired back and said, Yeah, but you don't wash your hands. And I reposted that. <laughs> Self-deprecating. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny, yeah. and it's making fun of me for yes. being a slob, peeing in the sink, yes. and not washing my hands. It's so right? Good. Yes. I'm not making. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not making announcements about the kids on the border. No. and how someone needs to do something because, as a parent, it's unacceptable. Yeah, I know. Right? Don't we feel better now? Well, I feel like a champion now because I made that proclamation that someone needs to do something about what's going on at the border. As a father. This is not the America that I grew up in. Okay. So now that I've made that proclamation, all roads lead to narcissism, and the language controlling is more than narcissism. But, but you know the Jacobins in, in the French Revolution, that was their thing. 
hmm, tolerance, language purity, moral purity. They forced it until they started chopping each other's heads off. All right. Well, that's where we're heading. That's the that's the we and and you know what was happening then before that happened? Hmm. Horrible childhood trauma. Oh, and now my all my next oh my next my next uh, Pete my next. Uh, uh, arrow in my quiver, and the third one is angry at dad. You've got to be well, angry when you're at your dad, dad. The whole world you're right. angry at. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, the, well, well, the well what you're society. angry at is the is the man. Yeah, the man. Right. And the more literally, the man, literally the man. The more the man becomes a man. Like like, you take a look at uh, Trump. Trump is a cartoon caricature of the man. Yeah, yeah. That's why he's inspiring all this crazy. Hatred huh. versus I, I disagree with this policy, or maybe I agree with that. I, I don't know. Hey, he saved me some money and, and some taxes. Have you been saying that? Or I don't, is this, I don't is this agree a new with thought that. right now. No, I've I've not been saying it because it's kind much, of interesting. It's an interesting construct. But here's the thing: anytime, oh, hold on, thank you. Anytime there's something that feels like it's more, there's something more. It's some emotionally emotional reaction. When you are – I'll give you an example. Do your piece of business and I'll give you an example. All right. Now I'm going to give you some confusing terms like MSRP, invoice, list price, dealer price. Do you have any idea what any of that stuff means? Mm-hmm. I, I, I really don't. Uh, One of them. Maybe MSRP. But I'll tell you what I, I look for is true price. Yes. Just like the name. True price from True Car. You know exactly what you're going to pay because it is a true price, including fees and accessories. That's before you ever get to the dealership, the True Car certified dealership. You know it's a true price. You know it's a great price. True Car shows you what other people's paid for the car you want. They lock you in that price for actual inventory, inventory in a True Car certified dealer's lot, whether it's new or used. And the True Car certified dealers set their true price competitively because they want to win your business. It's a competitive price. So. It includes fees and accessories. It's a fair price because you've seen what others have paid. It's an actual price for actual inventory, and it's priced competitively so they win your business at that particular True Car certified dealer. So when you're ready to buy new or used, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. All right. So let me explain, Drew. Yes. When you're at this supermarket and there's a person in front of you, and it's like a, a lady. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the guy's saying, you know, these coupons for the Greek yogurt expired. <laughs> and the woman starts crying. Yeah. Literally starts sobbing. You know, it's something else. Yeah. There's something else yeah. going on in her life. Right. And it didn't happen on Tuesday of that mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. There's some other. Uh, her dad is of Greek descent and abandoned the family. And the yogurt is now creating a bridge back to the Greek yogurt right. and the Greek man. All right. Whatever. Whatever. There's something going on. Yeah. Okay. Now, when you have Donald Trump and the president, you have him as the living embodiment of the man, Mm. like literally in stature, in hair color, in eye color, in in every living, in postures, mannerisms, everything is he the man. You know what I mean? Now. You could say, like, well, uh, Barack Obama's president of the United States, but he doesn't – he can't check all those the man boxes. Right, you right, know what I mean? Right. So he gets up well, there. That, what, and, and just quickly, by the man mm, – <sighs> 
What do we mean by that? Because why didn't why didn't Barack Obama represent the man? He's an attorney. He's a law professor. Well, he's he's sort of an authority. But you know what it is? He's, he's, not, he's, he wasn't, he's half black and he's wafy and he his mannerisms he are not authoritarian. Exactly. He wasn't authoritarian. And right. Trump comes off authoritarian. Okay. Right. Got it. So when you – the reason people go – have a visceral reaction, whether it be at the supermarket or whether it's Peter Fonda screaming, oh, take his kids and put them in a cage and put pedophiles at 78 years old. Wow. <laughs> I would kill myself. Hey, man. We just want to do what we want to do. Yeah, man. Garrett, did we play that recently? It's been a long time Come on, to let's find pull that it clip. Out. We want to get high. That's what we want to do. <laughs> yeah. We're going to party. Oh, my God. It's always funny if you see the guys on the right. They're like, Roseanne had to quit her job, but he gets to continue having a career. I'm like, no, he doesn't. Not really. I mean, he can show up at a Harley Davidson rally and get 1500 bucks from a local dealer. But no, he doesn't continue to have a career because he didn't have a career before this. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening to the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. I've been your host, Big Brother Jake, host of the Big Brother Jake podcast here on the Podcast One Network. Remember to check back each week for new episodes. And while you're at it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us five stars wherever you get your podcasts. Deuces! Deuces!